Skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. Welcome to Living Skin. I'm Beth Bialco with Global Education, and today we are talking all about pigmentation. This is definitely a skin condition that affects so many people, and honestly, one of the most difficult to treat. So we are joined today by one of our very own experts, Charmaine Cooper, calling in all the way from Toronto, Canada. So welcome, Charmaine. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much. And it truly is a, a great pleasure to be here with you to review something that is very near and dear to my heart, and it is with regards to pigmentation. Um, I think for me, I've struggled almost my entire adult life with this element of irregular pigmentation in my own skin. But I'll tell you something. Once I started to understand this condition for myself and how to apply effective treatments for tangible results, oh my goodness, that is when the skin game changer happened for me. So I'm so happy to be here. Well, we are so thankful to have your time and all of your knowledge today. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to share a little bit about your background so our listeners can learn a little bit more about you. So Charmaine is our master educator for Dermalogica and the International Dermal Institute in Canada. She has over 18 years of experience in the skincare industry. And Charmaine is truly living out her passion of inspiring and mentoring and leading professionals in this industry and offering really out-of-the-box innovative solutions. Now, she's been with Dermalogica and the International Dermal Institute for over 12 years now, and she is excellent at coaching and supporting our professional skin therapist. And she is actually a key workshop facilitator. She's a speaker for varied audiences, professionals around the world, including the United States and across Canada. She's constantly writing articles, and she is the spokesperson for Canadian media and press interviews that represent Dermalogica and the International Dermal Institute. So Charmaine is passionate, she's knowledgeable, she's inspiring, and we are so lucky to have her join us today. So Charmaine, if you're ready, let's just dive into this hot topic all about pigmentation. I would love to. Awesome. Okay, so I've got a lot of questions for you today, and I'm sure our listeners are probably having their own questions. So let's start <laughs> off first with um, kind of understanding this condition. I mean, that's really half the battle. And if we can help everyone tuning in understand a little bit more about pigmentation, uh, what it is, and where it comes from. Absolutely, Beth. I'd be happy to get the ball started. Um, so as you and I know, and many of us who are listening, um, the brilliance of the skin is um, immeasurable. In fact, we're kind of biased, but it is a very important organ to the body. In fact, it's so complex in its functions. 
But I believe that understanding the skin does not have to be complex. The privilege that you and I and the rest of us around the world have as being professional skin therapists and skin coaches is to help communicate the simplicity of what could be a complex message and break it right down for any of our customers and any of our clients. So to begin, within the skin, um, we have various types of skin cells. And the cell that's responsible for pigmentation, we call it the melanocyte. And this melanocyte is, is pretty much responsible for any type of melanin that we call pigment that's produced in the skin. It really is a defense mechanism if you break it down and that our skin naturally has. And it defends the skin against harmful ultraviolet ray, ray exposure and um, that's something that we're exposed to on a daily basis. Whether the sun is out or whether the clouds are out, we're exposed to this. In fact, it's said that the purpose for different skin tones across our beautiful planet originally had to do a lot with where our ancestors originated from in terms of the proximity that they had to the Earth's equator. Therein determining our constitutive skin tone, so our constitution that literally makes up our skin color. So for instance, a darker skin tone with darker melanin needs more protection where the ultraviolet rays on the earth are the strongest. So AKA my family ancestry, they're from the Caribbean, so I've got a darker skin tone. And fairer skin tones with lighter pigment or lighter melanin need less protection where the ultraviolet rays are not as strong. So that's kind of a nutshell of just kind of the beginnings of where pigmentation comes from. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I really liked how we can kind of break that down and understanding, first and foremost, the type of skin cell, right, that you mentioned that's responsible for pigmentation. But you also hit something uh, a, a point there. In fact, if I want, if you could just go a little bit deeper, can you touch on the myth that says that the darker the skin tone, the less of a need there is for an SPF? I would be absolutely happy to bust that myth <laughs> because <laughs> only because this is a conversation that I literally have had with my family members over and over again. They, they've kind of gotten into the right swing of things, but it's uh, definitely taken some difficult conversations and some authentic conversations. So we all know that with today's multicultural societies, we really are an amazing melty, melting pot of skin tones, which is what we love. Um, Toronto is one of the most multicultural cities in the world. So I'm honored to live here. And we see that right across the planet. But for someone who is a medium to darker skin tone to debate the need for SPF, it's a little bit concerning to me, to be honest, Beth, and cannot be further from the truth. All of us have melanocytes and all of us have pigment or melanin, whether light or dark. The one element about the skin that does not change is that all of us have it. All of us have melanin. And we're all susceptible to damage in our skin. Our melanocytes in the skin, when triggered, will produce irregular melanin production. And that's only for the purpose of protecting. But I'll tell you, it's not enough on its own. And if that damage 
to the skin cell or to the skin is profound enough, it can ultimately become very difficult to rectify. And the good thing of it all is that, you know, there are so many great sunscreens on the market. There's so many great options. So, you know, it's not going to make the skin feel heavy. There's so many great options that don't allow a darker skin to look chalky. And to be honest, that's the reason why I didn't use SPF when I was a teenager. But there's too many options. So with all these great alternatives and innovative formulas out there, I like to say there is no excuse, none whatsoever. I love that. Yes, definitely no excuse for not wearing sunscreen. And I'm glad you put a point there earlier is that it doesn't matter whether it's cloudy or really sunny outside. You know, sunscreen should be a daily part of your everyday skincare regimen. So thank you Absolutely. for going thank you for going through that. And you know, you also put up another good point that I want to take a moment and dig a little bit deeper is all about the damage that can happen to the skin and you know how that causes or starts to trigger pigmentation. So can you help our listeners understand how that type of damage or even inflammation can impact the the pigment or definitely impact the melanocyte cell? For sure, I'd love to. Um, so sometimes for me, analogies can sometimes help to communicate those complex matters and like I said earlier, a little bit more of a simplistic way. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll think I'll use an analogy here. So there is a sister cell within the skin that resembles the pigment cell. Remember, we called that the melanocyte. And therefore, this sister cell interacts very closely with the melanocyte. It, it's not identical, but it looks very similar. And it's almost like, hmm, it's almost like their secret pact about one another is this. If you touch my sister, you touch me. Meaning that, you know, if one is affected, it often incites the other to respond or fight back, or we can also call it produce pigment. So the sister cell to the melanocyte is called the Langerhorn cell. Kind of a cool name. And it is responsible for any type of inflammation or irritation in the skin. So when that redness, when that itch, when that tingle or that bite, or I like to call it trauma and drama, start to become apparent in the skin, it's the Langerhans cell that's really at work here. So let's go through a, a kind of a quick little list of some of the uh, many things that can cause that trauma and drama or that inflammation in the skin. The number one, I, one element that I will list is unprotected exposure to the sun and to UV radiation. It is really the number one cause that causes that irritation to almost be instantaneous. The second thing I'll mention is pollution exposure. Now we often think, yes, ultraviolet rays and you know cold wind, but just being exposed to outdoor climate gets us exposed to um, what we recently discovered as tiny microscopic particles that literally are in our air. We cannot see them, but they do land on the skin. So when these particles sit on the skin and they're not removed properly, they actually cause or incite inflammation or little bits of inflammation or irritation on the skin. So 
we did another research and we actually found through this study that in concentrated polluted areas or even areas like the country where you don't think there's a lot of pollution, these particles are in existence. And in those areas where you're constantly exposed to this pollution, the women and the, and the individuals with the skin that shows pigmentation is more concentrated in those areas. One of the things that contributes to signs of aging is pigmentation. So we call that inflammaging. So it's the inflammation that stimulates the production of pigment. Another thing I'd like to list is medications. Certain medications can be very sensitizing and very dehydrating to the skin. Let's not forget the basic insect bite, the mosquito bite, the wound, the cut, the cat scratch, or that persistent rash. Even, even acne, I'd like to say, because I know I struggled with this myself as a teenager. Um, you know, and I think we've all been there with adult acne, you know, when you've got that breakout that's just pulsating it's got a heart or a mind of its own and it's just that angry pulsating acne well it's that anger that's the inflammation and that is causing that stimulation of the melanocyte to manifest a little bit later on which is why almost all the time after that acne has been taken care of we've got that spot to deal with which is not too cool um, another thing I'll mention, which is kind of cool, is, um, well, not so cool, but it's really chronic levels of distress. I know that there's a place for good stress, but distress really can awaken what we call cortisol within the body. And the stimulating, excuse me, the pigment, melanin stimulating hormone can be awakened when under chronic levels of duress or distress. And that can show up in the skin and often does kind of creep up on us as well. Skin diseases, skin disorders. I mean, the list goes on and on yeah. and on. There are so many different things that can really significantly contribute to the awakening of that sister cell. So in all of these instances, that Langerhorn cell is stimulated. And if stimulated long and profoundly enough, it can and almost always will awaken the melanocyte cell. So we call that color facultative color, or uh, I like to call it accumulated color. In a darker skin, that facultative color is going to show up or be spewed out as a, almost like a brownish black pigment. And in a lighter skin, it can be more of a pinkish, uh, purple, reddish kind of pigment. It no less is stimulated, and get this, Beth, facultative color will take time to treat. I mean, the good news is we can treat it. We can definitely treat it. We can sometimes even reverse up to 78, 75 to 78% of the pigmentation, but it does take time to treat. Okay, perfect. I really like how you were able to explain those, you know, those kind of those sister cells and that triggering of inflammation and you know, triggering pigmentation. Because I think that's a big misunderstanding when people don't understand whether yeah. they have um, they get a pigmentation left over from acne or a breakout or they, you know, an insect bite, as you mentioned, um, can happen. But it also is not only external factors, but some internal factors that can trigger hyperpigmentation, especially when you're talking about, you know, stress and hormones. Yeah, so, for sure. So now that we can see, right, that when the skin is inflamed, it can trigger pigmentation. But let's 
but not all pigmentation looks the same. So what I'd like you to do is uh, explain to our listeners today, how does that show up in the skin and how can it be treated? Awesome. Absolutely. It definitely is not all the same. And so I'll begin by kind of laying a foundation of the category of pigmentation, if you will allow me. Um, Pigmentation issues either show up in two forms, either hyperpigmentation, so that's the abnormal production of erratic pigment being produced, or hypopigmentation, which is the absence of pigment from damage to the cells. Quite honestly. So I think it's firstly important that the listeners understand that there are limitations to treating hypopigmentation, the absence of pigment. In fact, only hyperpigmentation can effectively be treated treated by a skin therapist in recommended home care um, at home. Whereas your hypopigmentation can be properly assessed and treated through various dermatologist procedures. So we just wanted to kind of, you know, lay that out so that there is a fundamental rudimentary understanding to what is realistic to be able to treat and what we're looking at in our skin. So some of the hyperpigmentation forms that will show up and that we probably already see every time we look in the mirror, I'll begin off by saying, you know, the first one is freckles. And I'm just throwing myself under the bus here. I have always been jealous of people with freckles. I think they are the most gorgeous things on the skin. And I've always wanted them from a child. I still do. That's between us. Um, So obviously freckles are genetically determined. And usually they show up in a child, in the face, um, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the body. But as a child, and sometimes they can fade with age. But this is interesting. They're actually enhanced whenever there is UV radiation exposure or a lot of it, like in the summertime, if you um, are listening right now and you remember, oh my goodness, that's right, as a kid, I had a lot of freckles in the summer, but in the winter, it's sometimes faded. That's because that manifestation was augmented when exposed to a lot of more rays. So freckles are genetically determined, so they're not treatable through skincare. The second one I'll highlight um, kind of falls under that same suit, but it's moles. So moles are also genetically and usually present at birth sometimes. Um, however, if abnormal anomalies or an abnormal growth that sometimes will show up and kind of look a little bit suspect to you, as skin therapists, we always encourage customers and or our clients to also get that checked out annually by a skin dermatologist just for, you know, safekeeping and just, you know, making sure that there's nothing abnormal and that we're just uh, doing our due diligence to survey our skin. Next, I'll highlight melasma, or many of us are very familiar with the term um, pregnancy mask, you know, the thing that comes and sometimes doesn't go quick enough. Right. But this looks like an irregular blotch of hyperpigmentation ranging from light brown to even a dark brown on certain skin tones. And uh, what I've noticed, what we've seen over, you know, the array of clients that we've treated over the years, the common areas that it always seems to appear on um, the skin are on the chin, the upper lip, the cheeks for sure, the nose and the forehead as well. Now, every woman is very unique. 
And I thank God for that. I think it's amazing. And so are the levels of hormones within each and every woman. So it's hard to determine when the pregnancy mask may fade or we can't really claim that we can treat that with product. Everybody is different. In some women, for instance, the pregnancy mask could last well beyond the birth of the baby, well beyond the time that the baby has been weaned off of his or her mother's, mother's breast from breastfeeding. And I'm thinking of my cousin right now. I mean, her last child was seven. And that's when her pregnancy mask left. So every woman is different. So I'm saying all that to say we've got to be so careful and we are very careful in our conversations when, you know, consulting with someone who is pregnant or trying to become pregnant or has just had a baby and how we can truly rectify that. This is interesting, though. With everyone that usually has experienced, um, you know, pregnancy masks, we have noticed and we've been able to confirm there is a very real correlation between the UV exposure and the manifestation of that pregnancy mask. That means we've got some control. We can do something about this because the chin, the upper lip, the cheeks, the nose, the forehead, like we mentioned earlier, they're all areas that are commonly exposed to UV rays. So wearing daylight protection, wearing sunscreens is critical. And in fact, we like to say non-optional. Mm-hmm. The, last, the last one I'll highlight here is uh, post-inflammatory pigmentation, or many of us are very familiar with scarring. So um, after that breakout clears, so we get that scar. And this is one of the ones that I mentioned I struggled with personally the majority of my life. And um, whether through a bug bite or breakout or scratch, due to the trauma to the skin, that inflamed area, or we know, will awaken the sister cell. And uh, so as a teen, for myself, I saw that, you know, I got that angry acne. It was hurting. It was pulsating. So as a teen and a young adult, I'd go into my bathroom and I'd perform that bathroom surgery, you know, getting into that mirror, just squeezing the daylight <laughs> yes. out of that breakout. And we knew um, I think we've all we been there. That, right? <laughs> We're like, don't do this. But then suddenly you find yourself doing it. And yes, yeah, so and you can't stop. And no. Can't stop. And what is important though, is that as a skin therapist and, you know, when you're telling your client, do not pick or squeeze your skin, this yeah. is why. So definitely right. stay, stay with that advice is, is not to do that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Totally, because I mean, it's a short lived relief, right? You get there, you squeeze it all out, you think you're good. But now I found that I was left with six weeks worth of pigmentation that I now had to deal with. I was seeing every single day in the mirror. So I was never happy about that. But it was really hard, like you mentioned, to break that cyclical habit, to break that cycle of defeat. So it's very important to make that conscious choice to be deliberate about treating with formulations, treating by going ahead and getting it professionally assessed by a professional skin therapist for sure. Perfect. Well, this is, that was excellent for us to be able to understand the different ways that pigmentation could physically manifest itself. And, in, you know, and everybody's different. Everyone, as you said, even with reference to the melasma, you know, for some women who are, when they're pregnant, some women don't get melasma. Some women do. It all varies. So it's just, it's really depending on, you know, your own skin, your genetics, 
and, you know, how your skin responds to this type of, of changes and in inflammation uh, within the body. So Definitely. I think a lot of our listeners are probably thinking this and then might be thinking, okay, well, you know, if I have that, you know, treatable type of, you know, hyperpigmentation, whether that's from sun exposure or, you know, I need to try to treat an area that I've had um, a breakout. Let's talk about, you know, what we can do and, you know, what are some of the ways to either treat or try to control or fix some of these pigmentation issues? Great question, uh, Beth. And, you know, this is such a huge topic as we've been, you know, discussing. Um, I think because it's so huge on so many different levels, it's so important for us to encourage real talk. I mean, real talk between that skin therapist and the customer. I think the simple truth is there really are no quick fixes. I mean, I wish there were, but there really are none. Mm -hmm. A professional skin coach is the one that is, you know, really obligated to be able to share that, share through education, share um, those um, genuine approaches and lifestyle choices that impact the skin and have a consultative conversation, really kind of find out what's realistic. What are the lifestyle choices? What's really going on beneath the surface? Because there are some things that can only come through the questionings. And um, there's so many factors that can play. I mean, these can only be discovered through that personalized conversation. And this helps us to keep realistic expectations. I think that's why it's so important. There, there should be a mutual commitment, a commitment by the professional skin coach and a commitment by the client, by the customer. It, it's a, it's a two-way street. It's two to tango and we're in this partnership together. So an example of that, some of the things that we talked about earlier on are just, you know, through being informed coming to the understanding that, hey, I need to wear my SPF every single day. You know, maybe in that conversation, it's a, it's a aha moment. Oh, I can exfoliate. Maybe I've been over exfoliating. Maybe I haven't been exfoliating to be able to turn those cells that hold on to the pigment over and off of my skin. And then what practices to avoid? What cyclical habits, like we talked about before, that we need to break? And of course, what innovative ingredients and services to include in my treatment and my home care for amazing results? So it really is a partnership. And I, we love it. I mean, as a professional skin therapist, we are in this for the long haul. We're in it for a relationship. Mm -hmm. And we love to see those goals achieved. Yes. And I think you've really hit a, a solid point there where it is, first and foremost, let's try to decipher, understand, you know, why the pigmentation is happening or how it's, you know, how it's occurred, why there's hyperpigmentation, whether it's on, you know, the cheeks or the forehead, how long it's been there. So first and foremost, right, um, connect with your professional skin therapist and, and set out that consultation, what we use Dermalogica in our face mapping skin analysis. And I think that is such great and sound advice because that's where you need to start because depending on where it's originated from or how the hyperpigmentation has mm -hmm. occurred that allows a skin therapist to set up the best, like you said, 
treatment in treatment room and at home care because everyone is very individualized and we want to be able to customize that as well. Well, Charmaine, oh my gosh, thank you so much for <laughs> such a great discussion today. I know it's been so impactful. Uh, we can't wait to have you back again. I'd love for us to take another podcast and explore maybe even deeper into some of these treatments um, and ingredients that are out there on the market, if you'd be able to tune in with us again. And we are so excited to, again, talk with you and have yet another really engaging and educational podcast, much like we've had today. So thank you so much for being here. Beth, it's been completely my honor, and I would be happy and privileged to join you again and the listeners, and it's been a blast today, so thank you so much. Ah, great. Thanks, Charmaine. So if you have any other suggestions or skincare topics that you'd like us to discuss, please be sure to send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And cheers to living in your healthiest skin. Thank you for listening to Living Skin. You can find us on iTunes and the podcast section of Google Play Music. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. For more information, visit Dermalogica.com. And until next time, thank you for listening.